Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Perceptive Podcast here on Game Wisdom, where we examine the art and science of games. I am, of course, Josh Placer, and we have another great cast lined up tonight. For our cast, we're going to be talking to the creators of the Game Plan Game. This is a game aimed at a younger audience, a tabletop game or board game, meant to help kids kind of grow and learn safety and life skills. And we're talking to them about kind of the idea of using gamification to help educate kids. So please welcome to the podcast, Ellie and Lisa. How are you two doing? Good. We're, we're great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It is a pleasure. I hope you two are staying safe. As I've been saying to all my guests, like we've been all like stuck inside now, it feels like for an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Josh, it's a great time to pick up a board game with your little kids and spend some time on this because normally we're all so busy running around. So we're hoping and we're actually seeing some traction with the game um, because I think families are pretty, pretty bored and looking for interesting new ways to teach their kids. So that was our hope in doing the game in the first place. Great. And like for myself and my audience, like we're used to like being inside and working on our computer. So like for myself, like nothing's really changed. I'm still doing all my work. It's just like everyone else is stuck inside with me now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, Ellie, do you want to give a little headline of the game plan game and why we created it in terms of how we're teaching smaller kids and why we felt a board game was more appropriate sort of than a, than a video game at this point? Sure. Well, we had young kids at the time and, and we were sort of stuck inside. Uh, it was a rainy Sunday and, you know, we wanted to teach our kids, um, you know, things that they, they just life skills that they aren't getting necessarily at school and um, wanted it to be uh, fun for them, wanted it to be interesting and fun and exciting. So we created this board game um, and decided to add in it, you know, some safety elements to it and um, basic things information that we thought the kids should know. And as we played it, we realized how much the kids didn't know, you know, things like mm -hmm. memorizing their home address um, and knowing what to do if they get lost in a store and, you know, situational uh, um, things that, that they really, really are important in life. So anyway, we launched this game and we wanted it to be a game where adults would sit down with their kids or teachers would sit down with kids or doctors or therapists, but mainly families. And they start these conversations that just don't happen organically sometimes. And it's set in a way where, like I said, the kids are, are having fun. They're getting up, they're moving around, and they're able to start these conversations with their parents to have a game plan in life mm -hmm. and learn these valuable life skills. Yeah. So as, and this is Lisa. I mean, one of the things we were discussing is you talk to kids about fire safety and why not to light a fire in their backyard. <laughs> but a lot of people haven't been sort of having discussions with kids about keeping their bodies safe. And if they're approached by someone that makes them uncomfortable. So this game was just trying to give a voice and get parents and families and educators to co-engage around these issues, but provide a fun platform to do it. So mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like taking medicine. It was more <laughs> sort of fun and something that you could come back to again and again and just reframe depending on how the kids, what the kids know and where they are and their age and stage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And that last point is one of the reasons why I want to have both of you on for the cast today, is the idea of using gamification to try and make uh, these kinds of lessons and make these kinds of talks more palatable to kids. Like, for myself, when I was growing up in elementary school and such, I, of course, I got my hands on, like, every, like, computer game or edutainment game I get my hands on. The uh, typing game, I remember there was a game all about electricity that I played, and Mm -hmm. video games and tabletop games have been a really great source, obviously, for being able to teach kids and pretty much, like, teach anyone important concepts, but the challenge, of course, especially when we're talking about a younger audience, is how do you make it something that's engaging to them? Well, again, as you said, it's just like, you must, you know, do not uh, start a fire outside, you know, do not talk right. to strangers, well, etc. Right. Well, what Ellie came up with, this is all Ellie's list, is we kind of co-created all the questions and we have four different categories. One is sort of about safety. One is about more life skills and hygiene and things like that. But she came up with the idea. Um, one of the categories is called move and groove. So we know for kids this age, they, it's very important to get them up and moving and not just sitting around a board game for two hours. They don't really have that in their DNA at that point. So we've folded in creative elements around a traditional board game. Um, Ellie, you can talk a bit about it, but it's, it's, there's certain activities kids have to do in association with answering questions. And then, you know, we love, we know older kids in game video games love to level up. There's been all the science done Mm -hmm. around leveling up and how you create games to keep kids online. Um, this is more just trying to keep kids engaged through play and activity. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, they're learning great life skills. So, El, do you yeah. want to talk about sort of yeah. the stars and the running yeah. around? And- so we've got things like, you know, show everyone one kind of exercise you can do to stay healthy. And then let other players guess what it is. So it sort of gets them up and moving. You know, show one thing that you do well, and then take two minutes and try and teach everyone. So it engages, you know, the players. So they're doing things together, you know, and then there's things like show us by pretending what you would say or um, say to a mom with kids or a cash register person, if you get lost in a store. So it allows them to role play a little bit, which again, helps engage them. They're not just sitting at a desk learning or sitting around a table saying, this is what you should do. And this is what you shouldn't. And then, and then it's things, and these are, these are all reinforced across all four of the categories. We just say it in different ways. So like, for instance, we have say and spell. So they say, their parent's cell phone number or write their parent's cell phone number. And if they don't know it, they can learn it and then repeat it three times. And then in move and groove, it might be, well, do 10 sit-ups and say your mom or dad's cell phone number out loud. So you see, we sort of cross-reference and and make sure that it, you know, continues to get reinforced, but in a different kind of way. So they're using different skills. They're writing, they're speaking they're using their body um, and engaging each other. And the other thing is we've gotten a lot of questions, as I'm sure you can imagine, about why we haven't automatically made this into an app um, or made it more virtual at this point. And mm-hmm. we feel very strongly, again, back to the age and stage and developmental appropriateness, that for some of these discussions, you really want to be sure the kids are getting the right and best information from your family's perspective 
before you sort of put them in front of a screen, mm-hmm. which isn't to say we don't think it's a great idea. And especially as we down the road, if we're going to come up with a middle school version and things like that, that is definitely more appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the beginning portions and for this this community of kids, we really think that co-engagement with an adult is very important. And it's also important because different families have different, you know, feelings about certain things. Like, you know, it's very specific to even, you know, what safe grown-ups are in your neighborhood. You know, if you get locked out of your house, which uh, grown-up in your neighborhood would you go to and ask for help? You know, it's not just anyone. So you have to have those conversations or when the kid is in the situation, they're they're lost. They don't have a game plan. And like for myself, like as I was telling uh, you two just before the cast, like I do presentations at uh, libraries and schools. And for my talks, I usually aim for a, a junior high and up audience because kind of like my stuff is more on the meteor side there. And right. I know, like, talking to, like, other people and special librarians, like, for a younger audience like that, typically being in front of a screen and, like, having no other interaction doesn't really hold their interest as much compared to, you know, sitting them down or being right there in front of them. And as you mm-hmm. said, actually engage with them. So it's not just you talking to them. It's that you're getting them to do something at the same time. Yeah. Which I think also helps, as Ellie said, it reinforces learning. I mm-hmm. think the more you do it, and we've made this game, I mean, there is a there is a competitive element to it, but it's really more about spoon-feeding kids information they really should know and reinforcing it and making them feel good about learning the material. So that was a conscious choice on our part. You can make it more competitive and earn pennies or incorporate, <laughs> you know, earning Hershey Kisses or something mm-hmm. like that, but... We've tried to be very flexible and nimble in the way the game can be used, whether it is in a school setting, which we do have a whole curriculum around it that teachers could employ, or whether it's at home with grandma and grandpa or a caregiver or a parent. Uh, so we've, we've really tried to be cognizant of that as well. Mm-hmm. And for my audience listening to this right now, that the age range for this is between 4 and 10. So... Uh, like we've said, this is not, at least in this current version, this is not meant for, you know, like junior high, high school level. But as the two of you are saying, you have been thinking about like translating this or translating this idea to an older age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have, down the road. Go ahead, Lisa. Well, I was just going to say one thing, though, that we found important mm-hmm. is there are a lot of kids um, – that may be on the spectrum or have different learning issues, Mm -hmm. um, older kids and a lot, and and it has been, you know, I've read a lot of reports. These kids can be much more vulnerable in many situations. So we actually, one of the reasons we hope that this would be picked up by older kids and families that may need additional help in reinforcing this information is -hmm. there's a lot of circumstances where older kids might find it of value uh, who may be, you know, having have learning differences, and mm-hmm. we think that's important as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but but 
But they need to also they need to also go through the information, depending, you know, if you're playing a game with four year olds or you're playing a game with 10 year olds, you know, they're going to be different questions and um, different Mm -hmm. types of answers. So it's important to to go through the questions. And if there are things that you think, well, okay, my kid knows that it's not something we have to go over, just pull out the card. And then if there are certain things that maybe, you know, oh, we're not ready to have that conversation yet. Okay, just pull out the card. So it's really we we tried to, as Lisa said, make it as flexible as possible to be able to have it work for any family, any community, any classroom. And with like kind of trying to like personalize it or like give parents like the tools they need, Mm -hmm. I guess. Or is there, do you have, or have you like written down like any information for like the parent or like the person running the game in terms of that kind of discussion? Yeah, we have an information guide that's included, and it gives the parents just uh, basic information of some of the terminology like safe grown-ups and, you know, uh, yucky feeling or icky feeling, um, just some some verbiage that they can use or they don't have to use. And we also gave them suggested answers. So we have answers to all of the questions that need answers. You know, some of them are tasks. Obviously, there are no answers for those. Mm -hmm. But within the answers, again, these are suggested answers that, you know, could work for your family, or you can, you know, use an answer that's better for, you know, whatever the situation might be for your family. So it can be specific to each family. Does that make sense? Yes. And I guess with that, one thing that I was just thinking about I guess in terms of like like the research or preparing the game plan game, uh, do either of you like have any like like for my audience listening? Do you have a background in education, or did you speak to people who specifically like work with kids in terms of like preparing like the lessons or the challenges mm-hmm. for the game? So that's a really wonderful question, and I appreciate it because um, Ellie and I don't pretend to be what we're not. We know when to ask for help. And we were actually inspired to create the game because at our kids' preschool, there was a a wonderful safety educator who came and spoke. Her name is Patty Fitzgerald. And she has a site called Safely Ever After, where she really does talk to kids about keeping their bodies safe and how to prevent abuse and all sorts of really important issues. So she worked and helped us to to look at the content and create um, questions that she thought was appropriate and relevant. And she has very deep background and has been working in this field for years. And then um, my day job, I work at Common Sense Media, which is a nonprofit, and we help Mm -hmm. uh, rate and review media. It's a whole online platform around media and technology. So I I do have that as background. And Ellie and I also used a lot of kids to play the game and see how Mm -hmm. it would sit. And then we also, Ellie took a lot of games to schools and had them give us feedback on how they felt the game would play. And we we have tweaked the play and the questions along the way. And also my sister was a school counselor for 20 years. So in elementary schools, so she gave us a lot of uh, feedback and uh, input as well. And just, yeah, we were not afraid to, to ask for help. That's really important. Ask, you know, if there's <laughs> something you don't know, don't just make it up, like try and find, you know, some good guidance, which we were lucky enough to get yeah, from many people. And I am definitely an example of that as well in my work. I've gotten so much help and just being able to talk to people about, you know, whatever topic you need with is such a very useful skill, I think, Mm. for everyone involved. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. and we really believe education is a village. I mean, one of the reasons we came together around the game was, you know, you have to create community around these issues. You have to create community around raising our kids. We have to create community and support each other as we're seeing more than ever now during this time of quarantine where we're sort of together apart. And we felt that the best way for kids to learn is to, when you can, bring them together and have discussions, and they help reinforce learning, as do the adults in their lives that are helping run the game. Now, uh, one thing that I was just kind of curious about, with regards to like the research and doing and kind of preparing for the game plan game, were there any interesting or unique um, misconceptions about like designing something from kids that the two of you learned while building the game? Because, like I said, like for my audience. Um, I have spoken to people who've been making games for like all age levels, and I'm sure there must be something like interesting about trying to design something for a younger audience that you may not mm-hmm. necessarily think about until you start doing it. Well, let me be clear with this. We really had no interest in creating a game. <laughs> we just <laughs> did it because we felt there was a need for it. Mm-hmm. And we thought, wow, this could help not only our kids, but but other kids and other families. So so it's not something we planned. And then we were, when we got in it, we kind of were looking around going, okay, now what do we do? And so we, again, asked a lot of people, we, we looked at what we felt worked, you know, in, in various mediums with certain colors and certain kinds of uh, characters. And, um, we really just bought every game that we could and, and watched everything we could and just, just sort of sucked up that knowledge and, and went with our gut and, you know, showed it to our kids until we really felt like we had the right pieces and the right colors and the right, um, sizes for things like the board game itself and, Mm -hmm. you know, the cards and, we put a lot of thought into, you know, younger kids like dice, you know, they like, they like using their fingers, they like picking up cards, they like things like that. And, um, and so, you know, we put a lot of thought in and around that. Did I miss anything, Lisa? Well, we also were really lucky to, we actually did go to some design schools, and we were Mm -hmm. looking for true game designers, because we know the games we like, and that are functional, and we're the, we're a big end user. Ellie has more games than any human I know on the planet. <laughs> I do, um, I do. She does. But we also were very lucky uh, to team up with a design firm that um, we have used for other projects in the past. And they were really instrumental in helping us make it come to life and look good. And then we also have people that know a lot about animation. And so we got input on sort of the look and feel of the characters. And I remember... Um, one person that's been very supportive of the game just kept telling us to look at the eyes and make Mm -hmm. sure that there's certain elements that kids can relate to. So I want to make clear as well, this, this has been a passion side project for more than 10 years. So we have been sort of doing our day jobs and doing this on the side. (laughs) And there's been new iterations along the way as we get feedback. But the design and the gameplay was definitely, I know for me, Ellie, pretty challenging. Yeah. And it's changed. And we've had to sort of figure out how long does it take to play one game? How yep. long does it play take if you use one, is it dice, one die versus mm-hmm. two? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And just looking at the different iterations of how people can play it, if they're in a classroom, for example, it probably should go quick, more quickly. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of skill and science behind it that we're not specialists in. So we applaud everyone that does true game design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like speaking about like having it be having it played differently in different settings, one thing that I want to ask the two of you about is the actual length of playing a single game. I'm looking at the box for it right now. I see you have it set at like about twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of discuss like how did you settle on the exact time? Because this is I think another like very interesting part, not just in, you know, tabletop design. But in, you know, all game design as well, you know, how long should someone, you know, sit or be able to experience something before you say, okay, you know, we're done kind of thing? Well, that's why I think. Go ahead, Lisa. No, I I think this is a great developmental question. I mean, Mm -hmm. kids, you have to look at kids time ability to sit for for an amount of time. Like my 16 year old son can play video games until his eyes bleed. (laughs) You know, that's, that's not an issue truly. I mean, it's, it's then trying to get them off for this age group for sort of four to 10, especially the younger kiddos. It's very hard to get them to sit and focus on something for an extended amount of time, which is perfectly developmentally appropriate. So that's kind of where we came, came from Ellie. I mean, do you have anything to add? Well, so we, we actually, you asked how we figured that out and came with that number. We, we played it, you know, we played it ourselves. We played it with kids. We played it with adults and we tried to figure out, okay, that was, that was about this amount of time. Um, that also helped us decide, you know, how many, um, spaces they move and, you know, that we have some cards where if they do, if they don't do, like they forget to put their helmet on, they have to move back three spaces, you know, kind of like Candyland, you know, where you pick one card. It's like, oh, you don't have to go back to the beginning, but it sort of slows it down a little bit. So we had to find a way to sort of slow it down. But again, if you use both, you know, dice, then, you know, it goes quicker. If you want to slow it down, use one. Um, so, so we, again, wanted to keep it flexible but if you want to sort of get in and out and ask, you know, get through the game as quickly as possible, you know, you can do it in 20 minutes. And I think like trying to like set up like the uh, kids expectations, is another very interesting point about this. And mm-hmm. one thing that I want to ask the two of you about is like the concept of winning. Like this is something like. Like, for my audience or the people that I play with, like, when we think about games, we think that there's always going to be a winner, there always has to be a loser, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of design. But with something aimed for a younger audience, how did you approach, like, the idea of, I guess, quote-unquote, winning the game plan game? Well, basically, everyone, I mean, the person who goes first usually wins in this <laughs> game because, you know, unless they get some of those wild cards where, you know, they go backwards, but we also made it so you can have teams. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a team effort. So yes, you're winning, but it's collaborative, you know, and, and you can also do first place, second place, third place. So we tried to look at all of those angles to make kids feel like, you know, you, you didn't really lose. It's just this person got their first and you can also continue like the first person gets there. Okay. They're, they're the, the winner, but then let's see how long it takes, you know, for all of us to get there. So eventually everyone gets to finish the game. It's just another way to play it. Okay. And 
One thing that I wanted to go back to, uh, to you were saying that you've been working on this concept on and off for, you said, the past 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> and I think like to yes, some, indeed. <laughs> I think the funny thing is like to some people you say that you've been working on a project for ten years. I'll be like, oh my god, you know that sounds crazy. But yeah. like for like the developers and people I've spoken to, like for some of them that just seems like the normal amount of time. And I guess as you said, like you've been working on this, you've put it in front of a lot of eyes, and you've done a lot of iterating on it, and. Iteration is something that we have spoken about at length with developers and a lot of my guests here. With the game plan game, were there any like major milestones or iterations that you did as you were kind of, I guess, feeling out the project? Yes, for sure. Um, I mean, the first time we got sort of a prototype done, you know, we got there and we were like, woohoo, we're done. And then it was like, uh, and then so we, you know, we started to share it with some people. And I, you know, my background is in entertainment. So I would get called, you know, I'd get hired to work on something, um, you know, direct something, whatever the case may be. And so I'd be gone, or Lisa would be gone, you know, working. And so we would get a little bit distracted. And then, of course, we had our families. So there was a moment where, um, I ended up going uh, and showing it to a group of people who were um, sort of a leadership gathering where they saw it and they saw its value and they just, you know, were able to give us a little bit of a different perspective on it. And after that gathering, I came back and I told Lisa, I said, okay, this is what we need to do. You know, we just need to, and, and, and truth be told, we probably just needed a break from it as well. Mm-hmm. And then when we were able to, get back to it and have fresh eyes and be like, oh, it's a lot. We, we ended up getting to a version, remember Lisa, that was a lot simpler. Like sometimes you're trying to do so much and you want to do this and you want to have these bells and whistles. And we kind of went back and we're like, okay, let's just keep it simple. Let's just figure out what we really want to say and do and how it's going to be, you know, the most successful in the easiest possible way. And I think when we got to that point, we were able to hunker down and say, okay, let's focus on this version. And that's pretty much the version with, with a couple of, you know, changes in the cards and the wording, but that's pretty much what we ended up with. Yeah. But I need to jump in. This is Lisa. This game has really been, it, it came to light because of Ellie's passion and drive. I mean, I'm always her best sous chef, but she has wanted <laughs> to make this available to help kids and families and prevent some bad situations from the get-go. And so I do think in any project for any of your, any people listening out there, I mean, so much of it is just staying at it and Mm -hmm. just trying to hunker down and go, okay, one more time. And I think part of the reason that it's been so much fun to continue is just Ellie's drive and desire to get this thing into kids' hands. And I think when it really took took off was when we finally got a really nice version some of it is just boring stuff meaning getting it produced in another country and literally sorting out the logistics and how you get it up on amazon Mm -hmm. and how you get it sold and then the website shuts down Mm -hmm. and we have a nervous (laughs) breakdown (laughs) i mean it's truly just that's sort of the boring sisyphusian push the rock up the hill that once we realized we could get the game and have it produced and get it on Amazon, I think that's also given us a new lease of life because now we're seeing it sell and that's been really exciting. Yeah. 
For sure. And I'm glad you mentioned about the logistics there, Lisa, because that was another question I want to ask the two of you, because this is something that I've learned about from speaking to other tabletop designers. And it's one of the things that for uh, video game developers that they don't necessarily have to worry about. And that is, you know, the design, the manufacturing, the production of a physical game. And Okay, well, I can jump in and just, we've been really lucky. I mean, Ellie, mm-hmm. I think would agree is that um, my husband has been involved in manufacturing for years and years mm-hmm. and, and distribution and production. And so he's been really helpful in just taking that piece and making it a bit easier for us. And not, not only helpful, he saved us basically because we knew nothing, <laughs> nothing and about it. So thank God. Yes. Sorry, Lisa, go ahead. So no, you just, it's important point. I'm glad you brought it up. You just do need someone on your team that can just do logistics and understand how, you know, we're in a global economy, can understand how you import things, how you export things, what are the tariffs, you know, there's Mm -hmm. different coding depending on which country. So we've been really excited because we've gotten uh, interest from uh, overseas, from like the UK and New Zealand. And so we've had to talk to him as well about um, how you package for those countries because he did work on a failed game many years ago. So he actually has experience and knows some of the pitfalls to watch out for. And that's been very helpful as we progress down this road. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. It's, again, like one of those things I've harped on people. Like for like your audience who may be listening to us, like I, I speak to game developers on a regular basis. And one of the easiest ways to kind of shoot yourself in the foot is the things that you don't know mm-hmm. coming back to bite you. And again, it's mm-hmm. why we always say that you need to ask questions. You need to speak to people who have done this before and, you know, avoid those pitfalls before, you know, you even know they, they're around. And it's finding well, and the also- right people. Sorry, it's finding the right people to get into partnership to you know, uh, that's compliment. What I was say. Yeah, yeah, to compliment yeah. one another. Yes. We all have different skills and we don't have to know everything. It's okay. And mm-hmm. you know, when I when I first, you know, I thought of the game and I brought it to Lisa and it was more about like good manners and and life skills and Lisa was like, "What about safety? Like that's huge." And you know, I mean, if if we didn't have that, it wouldn't be the game we have today. So, so I was smart enough to to go to Lisa and and um, beg her to be my partner, and we together were smart enough to ask other people around us to help and to guide us. And and you have to have that, and you have to be willing to listen and be willing to be wrong and be willing to try different things. Well, and we, yeah, and we definitely have had our ups and downs. I mean. There's some battle scars from the process, and I think that that just comes with the territory. Yeah. But we've we've kind of soldiered through, and we've I I mean Ellie Ellie just makes this so much fun. We've just been having a good time with it. But we now that our kids are so much older, I mean we have teenagers now. So if I can find a game that helps kids drive more slowly, please tell me about it. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, one thing that I would like to ask both of you about that is something that I always like to talk with developers. As we've said, a major part about this kind of process is the iteration. And I was just curious, again, with the time the two of you have spent with the game plan game, were there any aspects of it as you were developing it that were left on the cutting room floor for one reason or another? Hmm. That's a 
Well, I think at, at one point we had, I mean, like, like I said, when we had bells and whistles, we literally had like thoughts of, oh, we'll, we'll have a bell. Like we'll <laughs> do that, you know, and, and that, oh, oh, kids love sounds and do that, you know? So, so yeah, there are a lot of things that we tried and we're like, maybe not, you know? Well, and, my daughter is still really mad. One of the first games, we actually had a cell phone. We were oh. going to include a little fake <laughs> yep. cell phone. Yep. And that was her favorite part of the game. So she's still, she's 15 now, bitter that we dropped that. But <laughs> that was sort of to help kids learn how to use a cell phone or know their phone numbers. And now, so many years later, it's kind of irrelevant. Everyone has cell phones. But, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we definitely have looked at trying to streamline it, make the gameplay a little easier. And then also as life keeps going on, we are thinking of new questions to add to the game deck and the cards. I mean, whether it's school shootings or there's just so many issues now that keep coming up and we're trying to figure out how or if we want to refresh the cards. And frame it in a way where, you know, it's not too scary, but again, these are conversations that come up that your family's having with, you know, your uh, parents are having with their kids and things that might not normally come up. And even, you know, even a lot of emotional cards, like even now with what's going on in the world, you know, what do you do if you're angry? You know, what could you do uh, if you're feeling angry or if you see a friend who's sad or you're, you know, FaceTiming with a friend who's who's sad, what can you do to make them feel better? So those emotional cards, you know, even with everything going on, kids are learning these things earlier, you know, and, and need to, to be able to have the tools to be able to cope. But the good news is parents and whoever's running the game can also change the wording as it works <laughs> for their family. Yeah. Because, you know, we know everybody's different. And as Ellie mentioned, our families all have different values and perspectives, and we want to be respectful of those because mine may be very different than yours. And you can take out some cards or reframe them in a way that you feel is more comfortable for your family. And speaking about that, like giving, like, like the, as you said, like you have like the little study guy or the user guy for the parents mm-hmm. or the adults running it. Mm-hmm. Did you, like, like, this is another thing, like, in terms of, like, getting help or, like, did you run that by, like, teachers or educators in terms of, like, oh, yeah. how to frame that to the person yes. running it? Yes, yes, we did. Uh, the gameplay, everything was run by. I mean, we did have a, a teacher that was very instrumental in, in help guiding us with the curriculum and with a lot of the, you know, information in the guide. And, you know, we're constantly rewriting it. I mean, we we – and we also have – um, a website, you know, um, gameplangame.com, where there's more information and more research. So if people have any questions, they can always, you know, go on that or contact us directly. Like we wanted the information to, you know, be available to ev- anyone and everybody. All right. But we did, we did have an educator be, who was very instrumental in helping us develop sort of more of the curriculum that was educator facing. Mm-hmm. And then, for the parents, we've done a lot of focus with kids and with parents on, on the game. Mm-hmm. In terms of like the market or the people who have bought the game, has it skewed towards more in like the education, you know, school side, family side, or somewhere in between the two? Um, interesting. It's it's been it's been kind of all over. I mean, we've had people from like the Boys and Girls Club, you know, these after school programs. Um, that bought a bunch of copies and loved it. We've had, you know, a lot of families, I mean, especially now, mostly families. Um, we've had schools as well. Um, but 
I think it's sometimes uh, a little bit more challenging, you know, for some teachers to find the time mm-hmm. to be able to do something like this. But but it it does cover a lot of you know common core curriculum that they have to teach. So it is useful. Um, but I think mainly lately, I'd have to say families. Lisa, would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. And something else we people can do is also just take the cards. We spend a lot of time on the content and the cards. And you could even just pull the cards as you're driving around or, you know, bath time. Just talk to your kids through the cards mm-hmm. and just ditch the board for a little while. So the content is most important in our view. But I, I think we we do need, then that's on us, we do need to do a deeper dive into who's been purchasing the game and how getting feedback on how they're enjoying it and if they're mm-hmm. recommending it to others. That's that's really important for us to do. I think that's a big next project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, in terms of the game itself, I think I have a few more questions for two of you. And we'll begin to wrap things up in the next like five or six minutes if that works for you. Sure. Uh, I think for my last kind of like design or development question for the two of you, I want to just briefly talk about uh, the player group or how many people can play the game at the same time. So I'm looking at the board or I'm looking at the uh, game now. It says between two and eight players. Mm-hmm. And as the two of you are developing the game, I guess, how did you decide on, you know, the number, the player group at a time? And were there any, like, challenges or things you had to think about going from, you know, the small number of two to possibly having eight people playing at once? Well, again, if we had eight, it was mainly in teams. Okay. So that's how it would be able to uh, be played easily in school settings. So it could even be more than eight. We just thought, you know, we have, uh, you know, eight pieces, meaning eight characters that they can use for our animals and for our humans, human versions of the animals. So we've got eight actual pieces. Um, so eight people could play around the board, but again, it could be teams. It could be teams of four and they each have, you know, one character. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it could probably be played by more, uh, people, but we wanted to just keep it as intimate as we could to be able to have everyone, you know, learn information together from each other as well. But the game, you know, a traditional game board, it's really best to have four. So yeah. that was sort of how it started. And that's, if you're playing in a traditional home setting, you could have four kids around a table. You could have two if you wanted. So mm-hmm. we just were trying to expand it if we wanted it to go into a classroom setting. So you could make it a little, incorporate more kids into the game. Right. So uh, to begin to wrap things up, are there any topics regarding developing the game plan game or anything that's been happening lately? that we haven't discussed yet that either of you want to bring up now? Uh, sorry, in terms of developing, say that again? In terms of developing the game or playing it or even just like selling it or marketing it to uh, teachers or parents. Well, we've been working with um, some people to help support us getting it out there. We've been, um, uh, we, we are working on a revised version that we will get out um, probably sometime, maybe the end of the year or early next year. Um, but for now, we're just focusing on getting it to as many people as we can, you know, marketing to as many families as we can. Um, and, you know, uh, trying to get it to, we've donated to some, um, people in hospitals 
And, um, you know, we, we, we love the idea of getting it to uh, people in, you know, underserved communities. So we're working with, you know, on a lot of different, with a lot of different people to get it to, um, you know, as many families um, and businesses and organizations that could use it. All right. So I think with that, to wrap things up for our cast then, um, have you, I guess, what is next for the two of you? Like, as we say, like, you've been thinking about possibly doing, like, an older or a version for, like, junior high or teen level. Anything uh, concrete or anything that you've been thinking about in the works? Go ahead, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, we're just trying to do the next iteration of the game and refresh some of the questions and some of the pieces and tweak the actual game itself that's been really important and then uh when the dust settles with life i think we have been trying to think about how to create a version that might address more middle school kids in the whole online world mm-hmm. you know how to behave online there's a there's a there's so many different oh, yes. versions it's just for us it's really a matter of time and bandwidth yep for sure yep. yeah and does that also involve possibly having a online or video based version of it possibly you never know You know, right. Yeah. I mean, right now, you know, obviously we're focused on this age range, but as we grow and as we, you know, um, uh, we're open to it. Yeah, for sure. It's it's on our list. Yes. On our to do list. Yes. We would have to find the right, you know, the right people and the right situation uh, to make that work. But sure, we're open to that. So uh, before we do kind of like our end of stream kind of wrap up, anything uh, either of you would like to say or, you know, whether it's to like parents watching or just like final thoughts to end the cast on? Um, I, well, I, I, I just want to jump in. I think that what so many people are doing with games and using it as a platform for learning has been so important and so wonderful. And I, I just think... This platform and games can be used for good and for sharing really important information. So I hope to see more of that um, out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep, ditto. <laughs> yep. All right. And thank, and thank you for letting us share our game with you and with your audience. And we hope that people, you know, um, get something from it and that it could, you know, help uh, enrich people's lives in some way. So we're, we're grateful to have the opportunity. Thank right. you. Yep. Yeah, and we hope everyone stays safe. Stay safe and well. We're so <laughs> grateful for this chance. Thank you. And wash your hands. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it has been a pleasure hanging with both of you this afternoon. And definitely congratulations on getting the game out. As somebody who has, speak, who has spoken again to so many developers, one thing that I think I've learned, I know for any students listening, is that getting anything out there, whether it's a tabletop, video game, mobile, whatever, is a major endeavor. So definitely congratulations to the two of you for finally seeing this through all the way to its completion. Thank you. Thanks. And just to everyone out there, don't give up. You know, you have a passion. Don't give up. It, it Just keep going. Just don't look back. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, to end things on, in terms of social media sites, anything like that, like, I'll include links to stuff in the description down below. But do you have anyone to mention for people wanting to follow you, your work, you know, anything like that? Well, you could follow the Game Plan Game. We're on Facebook. And then um, we are going to get our social media accounts um, more in line in the next month. But, um, but you know, you can find us on Amazon. You could go to our website and um, 
yeah, I think those are the best avenues. Okay, perfect. So uh, with that, everyone, we are going to be wrapping things up for this week's cast. As always, if you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at GW Bicer. We have the Game Wisdom YouTube channel where there are daily videos as well as live and recorded interviews with developers over there. We have our Discord channel open to everyone and there should be a link to that in the description down below. And if you would like to be a future guest, if you are in the game industry, want to talk design, or teaching it, we are always looking for new guests, so feel free to get in touch. But come back for daily discussions on game design here and on game wisdom, where we the art and science of games. Until our next discussion, have a great rest of your day and stay safe.